Hi, my name is Margaret, and you have ventured your way into the Beautiful Collision podcast. I believe when the bad, messy, hard parts of your life collide with the good, amazing, great parts of your life, they make you into the beautiful person that you are. On this podcast, you are going to hear from people from all walks of life, and my hope is that you resonate with some and embrace your own story. We're back. Where Are They Now series is continuing. And today's guest is my girl, love her, Camry. She was back on episode 27. So definitely go check that out. We follow up on some things from that. So in that episode, she talked a lot about foster care and their desire to adopt. And now they have adopted. And so we really talk about their adoption story. And I think you're really going to love, she makes some really good points, especially those of you that may be considering adoption. But even if you're not, just on ways you really should view adoption that I think are going to be beneficial for everybody. We also talk about a lot about race um, in this episode. This episode was recorded back in the middle of June, very soon after the George Floyd um, incident. And we just talk about what that's looked like to have these conversations in her life as a um, biracial person with four kids that are literally all different skin tones, all different um, spectrums of melanin. So I think you're really just going to enjoy this conversation of um, how she um, has navigated that, how her family's navigated that, but then also just in her life, the conversation she's had to have recently and we just really talk about how hard those conversations are with different people in our life um so definitely don't shy away from this episode you're really gonna learn a lot i think the last big thing we talk about is parenting and what that looks like and being a mom i'm telling you anyone that listens to this you're going to benefit from this conversation there are a lot of really cool insights um, that she mentions that you may have not thought about so definitely enjoy my conversation with camry Good. How are you? So good. So good. Happy it's Sunday. Slow day over here. So. Oh, okay. I saw on Instagram it was hair day. It's hair day. It is. <laughs> After this, it is wash it and do, I mean, you know, it's hair day. So. All the things. <laughs> All the things. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, thank you so much for getting on the podcast again. Thanks for asking me. I'm excited. I'm so excited too. Well, I'm so glad you're back. Um, this has already started recording actually. <laughs> oh, great. Yay. Yeah. So people are going to hear our beginning conversation. Um, Good. but, um, I'm so excited actually that you're back because, so I'm doing a where are they now series in the podcast. Yes, I love that. Yeah. And so I'm bringing back all different guests. And so it's been really fun because I've had to go back and like, listen to people's yeah. like past episodes. And it's fun. just like, crazy what has happened in people's lives in like a year and a half I know (laughs) know, even with 2020 being you know the struggle bus that it's been like it's just nuts how much truly has happened yeah no so I was just like this is gonna be really fun because I feel like people are gonna be able to like get insights and I think the cool thing is like people you know talked about dreams they had or like what you know things that they wanted to do and yes coming years and so it's just cool to see like how the lord completely either shifted that yes or like kept it the same or that. Like that so i love that you're using zoom too i feel like this is going to be 
the future of podcasting. It's just so much nicer to see people when you talk to them. Yes. And it's so much easier. And like, I didn't know it had a recording. I was like, the one good thing that came out of quarantine kind of is this whole learning about Zoom feature. Yes. So true. So true. Cause have you been doing most of your job through it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Like face to face. So it's been, how, how have, have you had to use Zoom a lot really? Or like to talk to friends and stuff? Kind of. I've used it a little bit to um, talk to my young life girls. Mm-hmm. So that's been a couple times we've had like a few young life, like big group things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely not as much as I feel like my husband was having to and was having to before, but he just started a new job. So he gets to go into the office now. So Kansas, our stay at home order like ended, I think the last week of May. Mm-hmm. So it's still like kind of phasing in, like it's not like full fledged, like everything's open, but um, he's able to go back to work three weeks ago, which I think was just I don't know. It was a huge transition because he, I mean, you know, he was working for Young Life and ministry is awesome. There are just not a ton of boundaries as far as like how your time needs to be used and where you need to be. So he was around a lot during quarantine, which is like awesome (laughs) because I I really don't know what I would have done if he wasn't. Um, But I think it's been like a really good and like healthy thing for him to go back into the corporate world. And I don't know, the eight to five much more like fits his personality and like giftings and yeah. Um, I don't know. It's been, I mean, you know, Margaret, I try to be very honest. I, I feel like watching him go to work and kind of like gearing myself up for it and just talking to some friends about it. I'm like, I need to get right with the Lord with my purpose. Like my purpose right now is to be a mom and to be home with these kids. Yeah. And the sooner I like get behind that and like submit to that and be obedient to that, the better the days are going to be. Because I mean, they can be long. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so I was going to ask you, like, how has life been for you guys in quarantine? I mean, yeah. or in this season of COVID? Because I just for feel sure. like, so like for me, it's, it was a lot at the beginning. And yes. I think we, we talked about this a lot in our last podcast, but I'm such an extrovert too. So like this whole like shut down and I have a roommate, so it's helpful, but it was still yeah. just like not associated in doing things was really hard for me. For sure. Yes. How's it for you? Yeah. Oh man, I'll, I feel like I'll never forget like the day that, so we were having Young Life Leader Dinner on a Thursday night and two of our leaders decided not to come because of COVID. And I was like, well, in my eyes, like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> it's so silly. And that Sunday I went to the YMCA and worked out and my mom like said some comment. They were, my parents were here and they were like, yeah, I would be surprised if like the wide isn't close soon. And I was like, really? Like, you really think it's going to be that? Good? The next day it closed. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like really happening. And so long story short, that was at the very, I think that was the second week of March. And so my daughter who was in first grade um, and then my second daughter, second oldest, who's in, who was in pre-K, she was going four days a week. So they were on spring break. Yeah. So it kind of felt like this, like, okay, we'll have like a week of spring break. Maybe it'll be a longer spring break. Maybe they'll extend it and then they'll go back to school. That'll be like enough to get ahead of this virus. Right. And as we know, that did not happen. <laughs> um, which it honestly was pretty helpful. I think our governor came out like the second so like two weeks after right. spring break she came out and said they're not going back to school which at the time was like oh my gosh <laughs> but it was really helpful because I think I could get my head around like okay they're home with me like there's no going back there's no hope because yeah. I had a lot of friends um specifically my mom friends in Tennessee who it just kept kind of being like we might open back up we might right. you know and so I think they were like just waiting you know for the day for it to either be announced that they're staying home or going back um 
So, I mean, it really, the first, the first three weeks were like awesome. Like we got in a new routine. We were doing like cosmic kids yoga, some kids about dancing, nature walks. Like, yeah. And I feel like I was kind of also taking ownership for like being their teacher. Yeah. Um, You know me. And (laughs) And you have skills in that. Yes. Well, I might've mentioned too, in the last podcast that I really like to read. And so during nap time and like the kids rest time is my time to read, but I was now a homeschool teacher. (laughs) So the first three weeks are awesome. I would say like the first, the middle of April, I was like, Oh my gosh. And by the time we got to May, I was like, I'm, I'm really, really struggling. And I think what was really hard to admit was it was more than just like, this is hard. It was like, I don't like my job. Like my job is to be a mom at home with these kids. And I right. do not like this right now. Like I am, I feel like we're all tired of each other. I'm yeah. feeling like there's not an end in sight. Like this is the longest summer ever. You know, it'd be one thing if like in June, they went back to school, but it's like, no, it's summer. Like <laughs> they're still with me all day and it's hot. And so I, I mean, I kind of had to, I, my husband and I kind of had a coming to Jesus where I just kind of confessed how I was feeling. And I was like, yeah part of me just went and and I think I was also feeling a little bit bitter because I was like well you get to start working out of the home now too like you get to leave so (laughs) I just I wanted him so badly to just like come and like be me for a week and be like and then tell me how you're feeling emotionally right right and like um so I mean I know that we will look back on this time and I mean remember forever obviously and really treasure it I think um I mean, just in like small ways, like Foster's vocabulary has just like skyrocketed being around his sisters all the time. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm just really thankful too. They have each other. Like they always have each other to play with yeah. and to commiserate with, you know, when they get sick of Tay and I, like they have each other and, um, we've gotten to do some fun things. So it really, I mean, overall, I cannot complain. Like they've handled it so well and mm-hmm. we've definitely had our moments. Um, but yeah, just to not even be like affected financially and like we had a safe place and like yeah. we didn't have any food insecurity and like we didn't ever run that toilet. It was just things like that too, where it was like, we never were fearing for even getting it really. Kansas has been pretty like mild as far as like, yeah. and so even just the health scare part of it was not, never seemed like real. Um, so yeah, sorry, very long answer, but it was. No, I, I love that. I've been, it's so funny because I've been such a champion for all my mom friends. Like yeah. I've just been like. I like all hail you guys. And I sent one of my mom friends like a gift card because I was just like, I remember one of them. She was like, the thing is like all the activities I had planned for the summer, we are done Yes, (laughs) in April and May. And now they still have two months of summer. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so I've just like, y'all have been in my prayers. Oh, thank you. 110%. You feel it for sure. (laughs) Yeah. And we need it. And that's what's so hard is again, it's like, I chose to do this. Like, it's a privilege to be at home with my kids. Yeah. It still is hard, you know? Yeah. It still is like, yeah, it's just draining. They're just a different kind of challenge. Yeah. Especially this age, there's just Margaret. It's just question after question after question. <laughs> Why? Why? I, I, and it's so sweet. They're so curious. And like, their brains, their little brains are developing mm-hmm. so, so much. But I'm like, I just, I can't, no, take it somewhere else. Like, yeah. I, I just really cannot shoulder one more question so they, they're slowly but surely learning I think yeah. to pay attention to what their siblings are asking because yeah if it's a question I've already heard then I definitely blow up so <laughs> well I've, I've always admired too like your vulnerability too because when you said like you talked to your husband it was like I'm just right now I just like don't want to be doing this job and I think for there's some moms that would like almost feel guilty in saying something like that to their husband yeah. or even out loud just like I just 
don't want like I'm I'm not happy with my job right now and and I think I think that's beautiful to hear you say that and I think could be encouraging to people just because it's like it is still hard like that saying it's hard does not negate yeah. that you don't love your kids it, like it's just like but when you can confess that it's a lot easier to work through it than just be like no I can't be thinking this because I'm sure. a mom yes yes how have you been getting your extrovert cup full girl. So, <laughs> so at the beginning I was just like, I was having a lot of phone conversations with people and yeah. like talking to people. But yeah. then one of my friends introduced this idea and I totally started doing it. So uh, we started doing this thing called lawn chair ladies. That's what we <laughs> called ourselves. Aww. Yes. So we went to parking lots, like empty parking lots and brought our lawn chairs and literally just like I had a conversation. <laughs> I love that. That is awesome. Would you do it like once a week, like every, like every Wednesday or? Oh yeah. 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 Like on a Sunday or something we would do it. Cause I had to, I was like, I have yeah. to figure out something. And if this is going to be the new normal, sure. I need to figure For out sure. how we're going to make this work. Yeah. So you're in Houston, right? So it has yeah. been like locked down. Yes. <laughs> Man. And then did I just hear that they're like, kind of like starting to close some stuff again? Yeah. So apparently there's been like a research and so they may close things down again. And and, we'll, and we just, I just don't know what that's going to look like. I think people are so, and I think I've talked to a lot of people about this. I wonder what you think about it. There's the reality of like physical health, like staying right. healthy and you're in a major city that has a lot of cases. There's also this mental health thing of like, I, it's wearing on people's mental health, not to be in association with people. And so I think there's yes. this huge debacle of like what gives and they're both really important for and sure. It's like people can go into depression, you know, even sure. suicidal in a lot of ways, for sure. but also being sick. And so it's just really interesting. It's like, how do you really balance that? that? And it's, it's like, it's so hard to even have that discussion. Cause you're like, I'm not trying to justify like put pe- putting people's lives in danger. Right. But like there are very real consequences about like having to be in your house for six months, <laughs> yeah. you know, like for everybody. I don't <laughs> care if you're like the most optimistic, like go with the flow type person. Like it affects everybody. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask you something. So on our last episode, so our last episode, yours came out February 2019, and we recorded it in January, so like a month before. Okay. And in the last year, and we've started talking about it, <laughs> you went from one child to four children. And she did not have did. triplets, y'all. <laughs> she did not have <laughs> Gosh, bless anybody that's listening that has any sort of experience with that. Oh my gosh. Yes. She does not have triplets. You adopted. <laughs> and I was listening to your podcast this week. And so we were talking about like y'all were actually getting in the process of finishing everything to do foster care. Um, and huh? so, which is really awesome. And so one, did you guys go through foster care to get your girls? We did. Yes. We fostered um, through... Oh, what's our agency called? TFI, which is just like a state. Um, mm-hmm. It's through actually St. Francis, which is the hospital here. But um, yes, through TFI, we were foster. And we actually, such a long story, but we were essentially like certified for as long as we've been married, basically. Mm-hmm. Like we got married in 2015 and then kind of like pretty quickly after that started the process of getting certified. And we just moved so many dang times that we could never fully, like we were always like 96% there, but like we wouldn't get our home visit or like, um, like the kind of the final say, because we just kept moving. So, and then we yeah. had a baby. So we were like, we're probably going to wait for a little bit. So we were like pretty much, I'm sure when we talked last, like we we're almost there. Yes. Um, yeah. So that was February. And then fast forward six months. And I think at the t- maybe when we had talked, I don't know if I said this on the podcast, but we already knew about these girls, 
Yes. So my husband would like hop on the website um, probably once a month and just kind of like check on what kids were there. And, and we knew that we wanted to adopt through foster care firstly mm-hmm. through need and like felt like that was where the Lord was asking us to do it. And then secondly, just financially, like mm-hmm. it's just not expensive. So um, we, Tay would look at the website and like we had at the time, it's funny that we recorded in January because I think that December was like right as we were like we had shut it down the first time so like as we had talked Mm -hmm. we'd already considered four of the girls there are five total we three of them (laughs) um so we were considering the oldest four at the time that we were talking so I talked to you in January we had just shut it down the first time um and so then that August though the um their oldest sister was removed and put in a home just for some of the needs that she was exhibiting and like showing, um, which is awesome. She needs to be in a home by herself. And I think she's really doing well, but the, um, three were up for like full adoption, um, kind of as a package deal. And so we met them in August and started, I mean, they started staying with us like basically every weekend. And then because of some stuff with their foster mom's dad, he ended up passing away, which was just really, really, really hard for her. Um, they moved in just a lot quicker than kind of, I think everybody was anticipating, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it was awesome because, you know, the sooner the better we can start bonding and kind of get them in our rhythm. So, um, yeah, so they moved in like late September, early October, Mm -hmm. finished our house that we were all going to move into at the time we were still living with my in-laws. Oh, wow. With them, all (laughs) of those children. Yes. For like two weeks. Um, but even that, you know, just the Lord's timing of having a house to move into with all these freaking people. Um, and it was fully done. Like that was one of my big things that I stressed with my husband because him and his dad do all of the work. And so I was like, I just would really like to move into a house that's done. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to move into a construction zone. And so it was done in November. Mm-hmm. So we celebrated all the holidays and yeah, whirlwind. And it's, it's even just wild now to think about. I mean, I feel like they've been with us for forever, but I, I mean, it hasn't even been a year. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. So, oh my gosh, that is crazy. I actually have so many questions about that because, and I think I've heard you talk about these on, um, your like Instagram story yeah. and even on your podcast, but, um, I, I really want to know, I want to really dig deep into this adoption thing because I actually have a couple of friends that like are considering it. Yeah. And I told them that you're going to be on the podcast and they're like, yeah. after this. And I was like, whatever y'all say. So, <laughs> um, you know, I think there's a, and we talked about in the last podcast where, and so y'all can go, people listen, can go back and listen to that, but like basically how their hearts were for adoption separately. And then they came together, her and her yes, husband, for sure, and for sure. Um, they came together. And so they've always known that this is something they want to do. Yeah. Um, what is now, the, and then I think there's a lot of people that are like, I just want to adopt and yeah. I'm, I'm okay to adopt anyone. And at, no, no matter who they are, no matter what yeah. issues they have, no matter what they're coming into because sometimes I think we think as people <laughs> that we're just these like we'll just take all the children in and just love them because yes. you know yes. so if someone's saying like what were, what are those real challenges because I think there are a lot of people that are like I don't care who like I don't care I'm just gonna adopt anyone For sure. For and sure. I heard you talk about on a podcast you did about your adoption that like that's sometimes not realistic just to like say that does that make sense oh for sure yeah and I I would say before my husband, I was very much one of those people. It's like funny to look at now, like the amount that we have, because I think, you know, I never and I would talk about our family. He would be like four kids max, like we're gonna. And, and so it's funny now to kind of look at, I I don't think we're going to be done at four. I mean, God willing, but, um, I would say two things. Okay. I think 
the whole like anything's possible with God gets thrown around very loosely, which I fully believe that is true. We are also human beings and we have limits. And I think to go into what could potentially be the hardest thing that you ever do in your life, adopt kids, which is the best ever, but it is really hard. And so I think to go into a situation thinking like that love is all you need, it's, it's just not true. <laughs> um, it just isn't. And I think it's hard as people who want with good intentions or like who have, you know, big hearts that you just think that like, I'm just going to do it and God's going to meet me and, and he will. But I think to go in not knowing some of the things like it's a ton of paperwork. It's a ton of time. It is a ton of negotiating with the state it is a ton of getting documents, which like, it's just a lot. And I say that ironically because my husband has shouldered that. Um, so I've even been like protected from a little bit of that, but I think, um, it just is a lot to like in your own, like a lot of surgery on your own heart. Like I, part of what I was going to say earlier, what was so hard about admitting to Tay that I was not liking my job about being a mom was because for the first two years of our biological kid's life, like people probably wanted to slap me. They were so annoyed because all I would talk about was how much I loved being a mom. Like I just yeah. loved it. And I didn't expect to, I think, I think I knew I always wanted to be a mom, but didn't think I'd love staying at home as much as I did. And so then to be like thrust into COVID and be like, why do I not like this anymore? And to like, you have to like work through that stuff. Like you have to work through your relationships with your children when you adopt them, just look different. Like, yes, you love them, but that bond takes time. And the Lord is faithful to do that. But to just think, I think that your kids are immediately going to feel like they're your own or like you birthed them or that just, that just is, that's just not realistic. And so, um, yeah, I would say I was very ideal idealistic going into it too like just thought oh I'm gonna you know and I just think I've learned so much about like you said like saying it out loud helps um to continue to be having conversations with your spouse or like whoever you're you know planning on adopting with um and then yeah counseling I think I can just I mean I say that sometimes a hypocrite because I've not been able to with COVID but um the couple months ago who knows there's just been a lot of rough moments but Tay kind of looked at me and he was like would you consider going to counseling specifically just for the girls and I was like I would because you said it and <laughs> typically you can call things out in me before I can and so yeah. um I think just not being like ashamed of that like mm-hmm. the when the Lord asks you to do something like that and you're being obedient like I think there's a lot of freedom in struggling and in it being hard because you know you're doing what he asked you to do and that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Um, I think there have been several moments, even in the last month with, you know, a lot of the stuff that's happened with George Floyd, where there's a lot of discussions about white people adopting black kids and just across races and where it's very easy to be insecure about the decision that we made because my husband is white, I'm mixed. Um, and so our equipping to be parents to fully black children, which two of the three of our daughters are we had to do some work and we continue to have to do some work. Like we had to learn to do their hair. And, um, and so I think just knowing though, that we, this, it has been the clearest thing that the Lord has asked us to do, I think allows us yeah. confidence in like it being hard. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that answered. No, that does. Um, and then, so I want to ask you when once adopting, so like now they're in your family, what, yes. so two questions. So what is like one of the biggest joys that you see out of adoption that you didn't think like that you weren't expecting, but also what is one of the hardest things that you would like tell a future 
adoptee couple that like you also didn't think about, but is something that is very real. For sure. Um, okay. Joys. Actually, I'll do the hard one first. So we can <laughs> end, on a, end on a high note. Um, I would say for sure discipline. Um, we were not truly in a place foster was, had just turned two like when yeah. the girls moved in. So we were like disciplining him, but it looked very different than what has been required with the girls. And thankfully, like the Lord does, he gives us a ton of experiences and pro- provides us with um, tools to do yeah. things that he's going to ask us to do later in life. So like I taught at a high performing charter school, middle school math for two years before being a mom. And so I cannot tell you how many of those things I use with my kids. Um, <laughs> And I think as a parent, you're doing things knowing that like it's going to pay off, but obviously that doesn't make it easier in the moment. Um, Like I would say laying the groundwork and like doing the things ever, like we had, we had this couple come over and they were like, so do you like address everything? Like, is there a consequence for everything? And I was like, yeah. And (laughs) I kind of seem like a crazy, like I, my um, like adopted older brother was in town this weekend and his wife was kind of like, you're like on them. And I was like, yeah, like I have to be. And that can just be really hard. It can be draining. I walk around sometimes feeling like I'm just really mean a lot of the time. Like the day that I got celebrated, some of my best friends in my shot threw me like an adoption shower. And my husband asked me that day, he was like, are you excited? And I was like, not really. Cause I just feel like I'm being mean to them all the time. Like I just, I'm on them. And like, especially when you're adopting older kids, you're kind of like, trying to sift away some of the maybe habits that you're not crazy about and trying to like, you know, reteach some things. And so just, it's a lot of behavior management. And I don't think as a parent, you necessarily think how much you have to constantly, but be on your kids. Um, And so that just is hard. And like, it's so much easier to just let it slide. Like it's so much easier to be like, okay, whatever, just eat the ice cream, you know, or just eat the brownie. Like, I'm just tired of hearing you whine, but like we pay for it you know? And so I would say, and you know, again, it's different when it's your biological child because you have been with them from the start. And so it's like easier to read them and easier to kind of figure out their buttons. But I think you're just figuring out too, what motivates each of my three girls. Like what really gets you to do something? Like, what are you really motivated by? And then what also is going to help you change behavior quickly? What can I take away? That's going to help you get like, Oh, I cannot do that. Um, okay. And then the joy, Oh, I would, I think, so Foster's name is Foster, obviously, (laughs) and we named him that praying and like kind of knowing that we were going to adopt and like hopefully it'd be through foster care. And so kind of the like banner prayer over his life was just that, um, he would be like a unifier and like foster great relationships with his siblings. And it's been like really cool to see that prayer just come to life. Like I would say he, I mean, and this is more of a testament to the girls than it is to him. Like he can do anything and they love him. Like he <laughs> is all of their first choice all the time, which is so sweet. And I do feel like it really like unites them kind of around him. Yeah. And I think part of that's because he's young and he's funny and crazy. And um, so they just get a kick out of him. But um, yeah, I would say that's been an unexpected joy. Just how quickly the four of them really like came together as a cohesive unit and they, my, my girls, they're just so, so quick to forgive and like yes. forget. And 
they're so resilient. I mean, what they've been through, it's like, yeah. it is just a freaking miracle. And they're just such good kids. I think I have to like remind myself too with the question about what's hard is, you know, being hard on them is necessary. And I know that, you know, in five years, we'll look back and be like, I'm so thankful that we yeah. put in the work. Um, but it is also so important to remember that like, they are good kids. Like they yeah. really are. They're respectful in public. We get compliments all the time. And so even to just like take a step back and kind of look at yeah, you know, how healthy all their bonds are. And we, we had a ton of fear too, bringing in um, girls that we didn't know, like a ton of like their sexual past and yeah. what they've been exposed to. And even just fearing for that with foster, like how's that going to, he's a boy, there's three girls, how's this going to work? Yeah. And just to see all of those prayers just totally answered and Oh, Margaret, you would, I mean, they would eat you up, but. You oh would my just, gosh. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to get to Wichita. I know. I know. I know. Wichita, but, right? Kansas. Yes. 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 Yeah. 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 No, that, that was so good. Cause I think too, one of the, was something you said, um, gosh, my mind just went blank, but something mm-hmm. you've said also before too, with adoption, I feel like, and I would love for you to expound on too, is in a dream world, like if, if we were in basically when, when Jesus came back and our, if our world right. was perfect, if it wasn't, right. you know, broken, if we didn't live in a broken right. world, like adoption wouldn't be a thing because hundred percent. So this idea of like, I think sometimes people that want to adopt can go into adoption of like, I'm about to come in and save these kids from their like most terrible situation. And I'm going to come and be that person that gives them the good life, the good, whatever. And I think you've talked about it before, but this, just this idea of like, thinking about adoption, like one, like this is not how it's supposed to be. Like, you know, like this is not not how it's supposed to be. And, but, and two, like, also like, there's so many situations that these kids are coming from and like, Mm -hmm. like to have this mentality too, of like, I'm going to save, like I'm saving the, you know, the opposite. Can you expand on that? Cause you've talked about that a lot. Sure. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you asked that. Um, I, so my, I would say like my first picture of adoption came from, um, when I worked at an orphanage in Zambia yes. the summer before I graduated from college. And, um, that was like just mind blowing to me because the goal was always like reintegration. And yeah. I think my like Western, like kind of hyper crazy Christian at the time, like lens was always like, well, we're going to save them. Like when yeah. we adopt, we like get these kids out of this horrible situation. And so to think that like, no, the birth family, the biological family is always the goal. Like that is always the Lord's plan. Yes. When we get to adopt, that's because the plan A has just unfortunately not been able to come to fruition. But I think to just be humble enough to know that like I am the Lord's second choice for these girls. Yeah. I can have confidence that like he has given them to me, but also then that means that they are more of a gift to me than I am to them. Yes. Like I'm not coming in here to like, save them. Like, I'm just not, I'm not a savior and I'm just going to be their earthly mom and point them to Christ. And I think to what you said just about, oh gosh, (laughs) the positions that, you know, birth families get put in. I think no, knowing how we are biologically wired, especially as women, when you are in your right mind, like basically, I don't think you can not want to be a mom to a child you birth unless there is some mental thing going on. So yeah. like no mom has a child and immediately just like doesn't want to do a good job. Like biologically, we are so wired to our children. And so I think to demonize moms, families who their kids get put in the system because how could you do this? Like 
you're a terrible mom. You know, how could you put the, I think that is just not, that's refusing to see like the whole story and the whole picture and the cycles and the systems that these families get put in where truly like if I was in their position, I cannot say with any sort of confidence that I would do anything differently. Yes. Um, I mean, they are just put in horrible situations and yeah. Again, it is by the grace of God that my daughters are the way that they are because what they've seen and what they've experienced, again, has been part of a cycle. Like their mom did not have them and think like, oh, I just want your life to be really hard and really traumatic. Yeah. No mom thinks that and yeah. wants that. And so, yeah, and, and we'll just take it also a step further and talk about like the racial dynamic. Like mm-hmm. I think it's really easy to see a lot of brown and black kids in the system and think, well, black families just suck and they're not doing their job. And it's up to us white people to come and save all these kids that are in foster care. And I think, again, that's not seeing the root cause of why is it that the yeah. majority of kids in foster care look like this? Like, what are the things that are contributing and causing these things to happen? Um, because then I, then I think you are able to be humble in your approach of, oh, and I said this, you know, last week, we adopted these girls because we are privileged. Mm-hmm. Like I'm married to a white man. We graduate with that student debt. Like we, there are like a list of A through Z of things that we have that we are able to say yes to. Adoption is a privilege. And I think to just also just go into it being like, well, you know, more people should do this or like everybody should adopt. Like, I think that's also irresponsible and kind of looking through rose colored glasses because that's just not the case. Like it takes a lot. And, yeah. um, so yeah, I mean, obviously I could talk about it for a long time, but I think I just, I've been one of those people that's been like, how could she do this? Like, how could their mom put them in this situation? And that's just so, so short-sighted and not refuse, let's just refusing to see like the whole story. So. No, I, I think that's really good because I, I think I've never heard it articulate like that when, until I first heard you say it and then I reiterated it just now, <laughs> but, but I mean, I just, this idea of like, we were like adoption is because of a fallen and broken world and yep. because of situations um, in a fallen and broken world that cause families to be in situations and have to make certain decisions that are not maybe best yes. for their children. But the idea, like adoption is not just this like cool, fun, like let me go s- save somebody. It's like God, God intended for parents to be the parents of the kids. Like, yes. like yes. that is what he that is how it's supposed to be you know despite their what their background has caused to happen you know and I just love that because I really do think then it it does make you look at it with humility and that when you do Mm -hmm. adopt or you do foster or things like that it's like there's a lot more humility in how you approach those kids yes for sure Yes. Oh my gosh. I had to have you reiterate that because I was like, people need to hear that. (laughs) It's not just. I I tell it to myself every day. Like I, again, when we first got them, I was like, they need to be more thankful. Like they are in this family. And to then just be like, no, 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 no. Like if you continue to come at it from that perspective, you are very much putting yourself in like a place of like savior and like you are the good one. Like they need to be more like you. They need to. And that's just so dangerous because. I mean, everybody knows, like, nobody needs to be like me. (laughs) I have enough stuff going on on my own. And so I think, yeah, humility is just, golly, it's like my life. I feel like not because I am it, but that the Lord is just, I mean, it's like an ice pick just at me. Like, okay, Cam, we're going to go at this again, like different angle. We're going to try it again this way. (laughs) I feel like the Lord, yeah, that's the Lord's like, okay, clearly you can get it this time, Margaret. So let's, 
Let's do it again. Just run it back. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's so awesome. Uh, um, I actually want to switch gears a little bit. So I have a question. Um, and you may, I don't know if you like feel it or see it the same way, but I've in the last year or two, like I feel like since your last podcast, I feel like I've seen your platform grow in a lot of ways. Wow. And and well, I know I have like we have like 20 something mutual friends now, and half of them I know you don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like I do know that like people have been pushed to that, but yeah. When I, I want to ask though, and as you're being asked to do things or yeah. like be a part of things that maybe you have not expected, mm-hmm. has that been like, cause I think I said this in a, a DM, but has that been like weird for you? And yeah. also like also made you nervous in a lot of ways. Cause I remember the last episode we were like, you know, we always thought our, our podcast would be whatever, whatever. For sure. They weren't, but we were content with if you know, just one person listen to it. Um, but sure. then now <laughs> things are happening in different spaces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's such a good question. Um, I think, I mean, it's like the classic cliche, like the grass is always greener. Like, I think I would look at like speakers and like authors and influencers and be like, Oh, I just, I wonder what that would be like. Like, I think I'd really like that. I think that, that would be awesome. Like that would be awesome. And I think part of it was like, my pride wanting to be like, I want to be able to contribute to like her income. And like, I want to be able to like be seen as more than like a stay at home mom. So I think there's that element of like me also being able to get with the Lord and be like, if I'm doing what you're asking me to do, like, that's enough. Like I need to be content and happy mm-hmm. in that. Um, but I think I even told you this on the DM, like I, with an increasing amount of people that are like listening to your voice, come an increasing amount of people who like are disagreeing or like are going to tell you about what you said that was wrong or And so I think it, if anything, I think it has just shown me, number one, that you can have a thousand people agreeing with you. You're going to remember the one that's not, (laughs) or that's going to be the one that you always lose sleep over. And that's just hard. Like, it's hard that that's in our human nature to just focus on like the one and not let that go. Um, I think it too, I mean, this again, is so cliche, but has just pushed me too to like, remember that my audience is one. And like, if I'm being obedient to what I feel like the Lord is asking me to do, which right now is talking about what the heck is going on in our our country. Um, And if a platform is growing because of that, I think I can feel a lot of peace opposed to like trying to like strive and do things out of like, you know, just trying to purely grow a platform, which like I was, again, I would have like temptations to do, but I think now to see it grow and it feel like such a natural thing and feel like a... I'm not asking anybody to put me on their story. I'm not asking anybody to repost what I'm saying. You know, if it's resonating, that is amazing. And that truly is the spirit working through me because I'm just saying what he's taught me. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's been great. I do feel like I'm going to have to do some better boundaries though, about like how much am I on? Like, you know, like what's the expectation how much I'm on, how quickly I'm responding to DMs, emails, just stuff like that, because like, I'm not getting paid. I love it. It's awesome. (laughs) Um, But again, my kids are what's most important Mm -hmm. and to not be present with them during the day, because I'm trying to like message a whole bunch of people back. I think it's just, again, I think the Lord will reel that back real quick. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I like that. Have you always been, have you always been super, especially because especially with what you've been talking about a lot now Mm -hmm. in the last have you always been so have you ever been someone really that struggled a lot with like people pleasing or identity and mm-hmm. like and 
um, because I've, I've been so encouraged just about your confidence. Cause I know that's part of my story is <laughs> the people pleasing thing. And I think that's mm. part of the reason I feel like too, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, Oh yeah, it'd be cool to have a cool platform and like do speaking engagements. Yeah. That's why I like, don't want to, because I don't, yeah, for sure. I don't for want sure. Yes. like crazy people being like, you know, or saying for something sure. crazy about me. For um, sure. have you, is, was that something you ever showed? Cause I feel like you're just very bold and very confident. It's a really good question. Yeah. <laughs> <As you laughs> it comes off cross that way because it doesn't always go. Ahead. Um, I would say, and I don't know if there's going to be like enough nuance in this to make, to feel like it's a distinction, but I feel like less of wanting to please people and more of just really wanting people to like me. Yeah. So I just really want people to like, they don't even really need to agree with what I'm saying, but like, if they like me, that's kind of like my goal. And so I think I, again, this is like just very honest and it just tells you a lot about how I grew up, but I just have grown up um, in a very white, wealthy circle. And I've had, I think because I've been like one of the only black people have just had a lot of people really like me and see a lot in me. And so I think because I've been fed that from such an early age, like I continue to like want people to be like, oh, Camry, like, I just really like her. Like, she's really cool or like, she's really different or um, I don't know. And so I think that more than like pleasing people, like I don't want to do exactly what you want me to do, but I just really want you to like me. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, that's, that's good. Yeah. Cause I've, I've just like hearing you, I'm like, man, I want to be even just better at, I'm just very encouraged by the way you've talked about things, especially now, because I'm sure, and you've talked about this before because you grew up in a lot more white circles Yes, and have that audience um, mm -hmm. or those relationships. Mm -hmm. um, I've just been encouraged recently too, because I'm like, I'm sure some of the things you've said recently have not been like great to everyone. <laughs> That's always yes. been in your life. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, and Margaret, just to your credit, like I just wanted to make sure that I affirmed you in this. Like, I think our experiences in the United States have been different because yeah. of the way that we look. Yeah. So like I'm half white. And so I always tell people I have not lived the black experience in the United States. I have heard my dad and watched him live it. I have educated myself about it. I have taught students who have lived it, but I think because I've not lived through some of that trauma, I'm not as tired Yeah. and I'm not as, worn out by it because I think you know a lot there are a lot of white people right now who are just like really like feeling a lot of shame or a lot of guilt or like afraid to ask like what do I do what do I and I think it's hard for them to put themselves in their in somebody else's shoes and be like if you've been living through like a fear of dying every single day for your whole life and then like somebody walked up to you and they were like tell me about this like talk to me about it for eight hours like, just please tell me. I just I had no idea. Just please tell. Like, that is just, some, that's an unrealistic expectation to have on somebody. Yes. <laughs> and I think then to then be offended when Black people are getting upset or they're like, I, I can't. Like, I just, I really can't. Yeah. Um, then I, I think really there are, there are people that the Lord is equipping to be able to do it right now because we have not been as tired and as exhausted yes. through our lives. And so I think I've been, I just want to, and I, I think I'd even need to say that on Instagram where I just want to make clear that it's not that I'm nicer or like just more patient or more humble or more gracious. It's because I've not been tired my whole life living yeah. through that fear. Yeah. Um, so 
I'm glad whatever. you said that. <laughs> I'm really glad you said that because I think I did a I did an Instagram little like post story, whatever you want to call it. Um, I remember after the marches, right? right? Or after the ra- or um, protests that you were at. Yeah, you were yeah. Like, and I did, I'm tired. Yeah, <laughs> and I did a live, and it's just, and I actually talked about my friend Drew, which you know, yes, I know her, and in one of them, and I was just kind of like, like I can't, I just don't have the the mental capacity to educate you on like all of American history Amen. in the next Amen. Like, 48 hours, you know, <laughs> like, yes. or at the speed at which you want to learn, you know, for sure. and until so, like, I'm so, you know, gracious for some, some of the white people in my life that are like wanting to learn, but I was like, yeah. I cannot do it for you. And the thing yeah. is, one of the things I've said a lot to maybe two friends is like, as black people, like too, like we've also had to learn our own history because we were never taught it. So there's like the degree in which we knew from like, friends and family but like some of even the deep seed stuff like we also have to research and so like yeah. my brain is like if I can do it for sure you can do it you know for sure. and so yeah. um I just really glad you said that because I think that's one thing I've been really just like going back and forth is like okay yes like I want to you know give you grace and like help sure. you out but at the same time I'm just like exhausted and I actually had <laughs> a white friend kind of you know say to me she was like you've you've given grace your whole life. Like, like you, like, you, like you don't have, like, this is, this is not, I'm not saying that grace is not needed, but like, if you have a lack of grace right now, like it's fine. Like, you know, like understandable. Yes. We can step up and do things. Yes. At this point. Like, you don't have to. Or, and just to, I think, I don't ever want to like come across as like salty or even like when my husband and I talk about this, I have a very hard time, like not saying it in a mean way, but like, the difference is you're learning about it. Like you're not living it. Like you're not afraid for your life. You know, like you get to do this at your own pace. You get to do. And, and there was like an awesome, like in like a repostable that was like, it's fine for you to take your time. Just keep in mind while you're taking your time learning about this, people are dying. And to just be like, it is high stakes for people who have dark skin. It just really is. And so, yeah, I think even your comment too about like, teaching you about all of it is like that requires then a ton of commitment on the other person's side too like not only your side Mm -hmm. to be the one teaching but like that's also kind of assuming that they're going to be with you for the long haul because it's going to take time you know and so even then to just not want to set yourself up for disappointment when a month from now they're like okay well I know enough so like we're done like this isn't trendy anymore you know I think I've even just been not afraid but like when and if I continue to talk about this every or like weekly, who's going to still be around and who's going to still be learning? Like, yeah, I mean, hopefully we're not going to be seeing black men choked to death. Yes. Virally, you know, months from now, but if, if we aren't, who's going to continue to do, cause this is not something that's going to change in 2020 even, you know, yeah. takes a lot of time. So that's even hard to think about too. Like who's going to be committed long-term. Yeah. I was going to ask you with your family, you know, with you and your husband, Taylor, his name's Taylor, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Taylor. We're listening to this. Oh, oh my gosh. He's not listening. You know, so. thinking about your girls and in some ways your, your son, cause he's, I mean, he's, he's one fourth, but he has yeah. some element. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in the summer. We're getting our summer coats on. Yes. Yeah. And so like thinking about your kids and just knowing that you have, you really have uh, like all the colors of yes. black skin in, in, yes. in, your, in your kids. 
how, like, especially recently, like, has this had, have y'all had to just have conversations or just, are there fears now that maybe like you didn't necessarily have when it was just foster? For sure. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I, that's what's, I think been so hard, Margaret, is to not carry also some guilt for like it not hitting me as hard until I had kids that looked like George Floyd. Yeah. Like I think until I looked at my four kids in the bathtub and saw how, like you said, we're literally the spectrum, like starting from pretty light to pretty dark. Um, and then that night, you know, George Floyd was killed and then to be laying in bed sobbing because it was the first time that I feared one of my kids was going to die. Yeah. And because with, like you said, with Foster, I never feared that. And I myself have never even feared that. Like, yeah. because I know that people look at me and look at me differently because of my yeah. hair, because of what, the what, way that I dress, because of what I drive. And um, yeah, so our conversations for sure have sounded, I think, a lot different. We have tried to, I think, because before we adopted the girls, we had just done a ton of work about like, where are we going to church? What school are they going to? Like, where are they, basically, where are they going to see a lot of people that look like them? Because I grew up one of none. So, um, or not none, but a few. And so, um, we have had these conversations before and like we have books with black characters and like we watch movies with black. And so it's not something I think that they just felt like was out of the blue. Um, But I mean, to have the conversation, well, okay, I'll also say this. So our girls were terrified of the police when they first moved in. And I think for Tay and I was really hard because we were like, that's for sure justified. But I also don't want my kids every time we're driving or every time we're walking when they see a police car to be just terrified. Yeah. So I was like, how can we like, you know, give them good interactions with police officers and like show them that they don't have to be scared. But then stuff like this happens and you're like, but you do have every reason to be scared. And so that's, yeah. I think, kind of hard for them to navigate because we did talk to them. I showed them not the video, but the picture of George on the pavement. And we talked through that a lot and we've like been praying for his family and stuff. Um, and then the girls actually went to sports camp at a country club the week after. And we talked a lot about like, you didn't see a lot of people that looked like you. Like, why do you think that is? And mm-hmm. um, and I think, I mean, like visually, I think they understand that they're all different colors I I don't think they get that that means people are going to treat them differently or like and they're young right yeah so I think that'll come um but I think I mean KK for sure she's my second oldest knows that she's like caramel mm-hmm. and I mean she I think picks up on a lot of yeah even social cues and so I would be surprised if she couldn't articulate that yeah like people look at me differently than my sisters and um I mean, Foster is much more her shade and we're as Nina and Tati are a lot darker. And so to just, oh, it's just so hard though, Margaret, because if like, I mean, they are just such good kids. Like, I'm like, if you knew Tati, like if you saw the sister that she is and like the daughter that she is, like she basically does my job for me. Like literally (laughs) at this point, she like basically potty trained Foster. Like, I'm like, if you just saw the like joy and like, just abundant light that this child is like there there would not be any prejudice in you like there just wouldn't and that's what's again so hard about fighting for our humanity is that it's like why are we still having to do this like why are we still having to justify Mm -hmm. our belonging on earth like what you know so yeah girl it's been like a prayer it's literally just been like lord like Cause I think to your point, and, and I think even when you think about, like when we think about friends or, or, or people, because I would say like, even coming out of 
the university we both went to, right, like right. that was probably the first place where I had a lot more wh- white friends, like collectively, like mainly. <laughs> for, sure, for sure. So I feel like growing up, I had definitely all kinds. And then kind of after college, um, yeah. there were less. Um, and so I think it's just because of what UNC is. And so, and then, but and so I think too, like, it was just, it's, it, it's kind of been this debacle for me too, of like, you know, even for some of those friendships and, and some of these people, I'm not like super, super close with. Sure. I've seen sure. I was like, you know, like even realizing like, oh, you liked like me, Margaret, the like black person, but like, I don't think collectively like you valued you value black people clearly based off of some of the things you're saying now, yes. you know, on yes. Instagram. And so I think that's even been hard to, to understand. It's like, because like you, I guess you got to know me, like it made sense for you to connect with me, but like, because you don't know somebody yeah. else, there's no possible way. Like, like they're, yes. they're going to be as, I don't know how to explain it, but they're going to yeah. be as good. And so I think that's been hard for me to wrestle with too, of like oh, gosh. understanding yeah. which friends are like, really for this and then seeing some friends was like oh you just like me yeah you know <laughs> and I was like which yeah. is like, weird because I was like I was black when I was there so <laughs> right. I've, not, I've not changed my skin color I just, <laughs> yeah. I've been this way since yes day. yeah what's what do you feel like has been like the hardest like are you talking with friends like are you yeah. who are who are your conversations with the most like right now so they're mostly college friends um yeah. and um and I've I will say I've had a couple of friends kind of step in on my behalf to other cool. groups of friends within that group. And I think that has been super comforting. Like, we, again, we talked about Drew, Drew, Drew being one of them, but like just this idea of like, Margaret, like I've like you again, like you, I know you're exhausted and tired and like, sure. it is my job as your friend, but also just as a white person to like start educating other white people. I think that's my big push is like, as the ones that are being educated are being educated, like telling your friends, but I do understand that it's getting hard because they're like, okay, now I'm understanding, but I don't want to offend other people. And yes, and, and that's also a struggle a little bit for me. I was like, I get that because that is hard, but I'm mm-hmm. like, the gospel kind of calls you to do a lot of hard things, you know? So yes. You, you know, it's like, and the, somewhere I forget where in scripture, but it's just talks. It talks about when Jesus is talking about like, you know, leaving your father and your mother, your, yes, your friends yes. for him. Like, uh-huh. our Christian walk was supposed to cost us something, and I think sure. being in Western culture, a lot of times we just have not had our like faith in in standing true in what the Bible says about things. Yes. Honest and like standing up for injustices biblically and all that kind of stuff. Yes. You just, our faith has never really cost us anything to the degree. Yes. It's costing people things like, yes. Honest about like, these are image barriers and this is not okay. And this like, this is not how God designed it. Like it's costing people friendships and people don't want to do that. And I was like, but people in other countries have been like dying for the gospel since, You know, the beginning. You know, and then and then it's so hard too to not like like you said like to be able to like empathize and be like I don't want to come across as like yeah. caustic like where I'm just like well get over it because that <laughs> is hard like if you yeah. are gonna lose friends and if your family's gonna you know disown you like that is hard that is very hard if it's what you're being asked to do like you gotta do it you know yeah. like if the Lord is asking you to and I think my thing is like re- like anti racism and like 
the Lord making us all look and talk and sound and have different gifts. Like that is literally at the heart of God. Like he made us all different. And so like to think that God would not be for this or to think that he does not like affirm our individual selves as black people, like the whole all lives matter versus black lives matter. Like I just am like, he didn't say to the Samaritan, Samaritan, like, well, everybody matters, you know, (laughs) or like to the woman at the well, like all women matter. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, like he looks at us individually and as a individual group right now, we need to be acknowledged. And so, yeah, it's, it's so hard because that's how I think my husband and I's biggest struggles and conversations have been where I just kind of want to look at him and be like, I just, I don't feel bad for you. Like, I don't think that's hard. You know, (laughs) talk to your friends. friends. That's all I'm asking you to do, but it is hard for him. So to just also be like, but I want to be patient. And also I think, remember that when a conversation is spirit led, it is so much better than if it's just Mm -hmm. muscled and like forced by us because it's not going to go well. And so to also give him like time and space too, to be like, please pray about this. And then when the Lord opens the door, please talk about it. And that doesn't need to be on Camry's timeline. Although I really would like it to be. <laughs> yeah. No, I, under- I, yeah, I totally understand. So you were on a, a panel recently about, yeah, like yesterday. Um, Friday. Yes. It is so weird. I feel like I'm like, oh, every day. Morgan, like, you know, all these things about Carrie. I was like, but they're on Instagram. So I'm not stalking you. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so how, how was that? And what was that about? Cause I want to tell our listeners to go listen to it when you're Yeah, here. for sure. It was awesome. Um, it was put on by Dr. Clifton Clark, who I actually thought was currently teaching at Fuller Theological Seminary. His wife is he still does some like, I think like workshops and stuff with them, but he's currently pastoring a church in California, mainly white, um, which is interesting. And so he and his, um, he's black. Yes. Um, and his not like assistant, I don't even really know what her like position is in relationship to him, but basically they came together. Her name's Tori Shawless. She's a cultural intelligence coach. And she also is getting her, um, seminary degree in like the convergence of like race culture and faith cool. so she's very qualified yes and so she together they kind of put together this list of people that um and this one was specifically focused on millennials um just kind of like where do we see this going like what do we see happening right now um do we feel like these protests are going to go anywhere or like make any sort of change um so i think there were cliff dr clark and then tori and then seven panelists so nine of us total um and it was awesome. We talked a lot about like, he, he just from the very beginning kind of set the tone of like, we're just, we're not going to be politically correct. We're not going to beat around the bush. Like, we're just, we're really going to be honest about like, how was your reaction when you watched the video? You know, like, what are your thoughts on dumping capitalism? Like, is that going to change it? You know, there just are some, I think things that people are, you know, defunding the police, stuff like that. So um, yeah, it was awesome. I, I think I've told everybody that's asked about it what I appreciated the most is that different than a lot of conversations I've been in, it all came back to the gospel and like our faith. Like I I truly think almost everybody's answer had some faith component. And again, we are fickle and we are forgetful. And I think to try to enter into some hard things like we're going to be asked to do and not remember why we're doing it or who is equipping us to do it and why we do it um, will just be hard. And so that was just really cool to hear like, no, we do this because this is a part of discipleship, like unlearning things and unlearning sin and ridding ourselves of it and letting the spirit come and have his way is like 
part of being discipled. And that is what anti-racist work is. Like it is unlearning 400 years of horrific, you know, in. Yeah. And so it was awesome. I had a blast. It was two hours. It was very long. (laughs) So I was told it was going to be 90 minutes and I was about to pee my pants. So I was like, (laughs) we need to wrap this thing up. But yeah, it was awesome. It was on um, the Alliance for Black Pentecostal Leadership. It's on the Facebook page right now. And then when I have the link for the video, I can share it with you because I still don't have that here. But it was, I was very honored to have been a part. I was looking at a lot of the pedigree on there and I was like, how did I get on this list? <laughs> stay at home mom. That's me. They're like, send me your bio. I'm like, uh, I stayed home with my four kids. I went to university like some time ago and like I yes. have. I used to teach. I did graduate from college. <laughs> and I love yeah. reading. Yes, exactly. I read a lot of books. Yeah, that's a good about. Well, I, when this podcast comes out, if you have it by then, that'll be awesome. Because then I'll, okay, I'll just put the link in, in the show notes. Um, for sure. Literally, can't. okay, I still have one more question. Because I could probably talk to you for two hours as well. Okay. Um, if I didn't have my daughter's hair to do, then I would just sit here with you all day. <laughs> um, okay, so my question, I've asked people for the where are they now. Um, is what are you praying for for the next so I say two to five years because I just feel like there could be maybe like something you have for five years but it's not necessarily two but what what are you praying for in your life or what are some things you're dreaming of for the next two to five years um and that could be with your family yeah and also personally like your yeah for sure it's so good okay I will go um I'll do marriage and family and then like personally like faith stuff um, okay. So for my marriage, I would say, this is going to sound so, so bad. We've kind of like made this goal that like, we're going to do all of our traveling and like fun stuff after our kids are out of our house. Cause we like intentionally tried to have and be done with kids by like the time we're 30 so that we're like young, you know, empty nesters so that we're able to like be healthy and travel. And yes. So with that though, I think we've realized that with my husband's new job and like with how much he really is outside of the home, like we have got to spend time together, whether that's like at night for an hour or like we've got to have dates every other weekend. It's so nice that our, both of our families are in town. And so babysitting is like never a stretch, which is awesome. Um, but I would say just for our marriage to continue to be like the main thing, Mm -hmm. um, even with all these children, like, I think, you know, I've had so many people tell me that like your marriage has to be number one, because they leave. And if they see you choosing them over your spouse, like that sets a tone and that conveys a message. And so, um, yeah, I think for us to just continue to like, be able to, even if it's like a tiny trip to be able to like get away together and kind of remember why we said yes to having an A passenger van with all these kids. (laughs) Um, okay. Family, we are still, um, very much, interested in praying about, um, their little sister. Her court date is this week, actually, where we're thinking that her parental rights will be terminated. She went back with birth mom in February and, um, got taken in March. And so, um, I think very prayerful that by the end of 2020, we would have like an answer as far as if that's going to be with our family or with another family. Um, we are very hopeful that it's ours. And we're thinking that because we have her sister, so all the girls are half sisters. They all have the same bio mom, but all different dads. And so we're thinking that because Kansas is a family first state. So we're thinking that because we have all the sisters that we'll get her. So that would be an awesome answer to prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think just for 
whenever people ask me for like just a personal prayer request, I truly just ask for like my relationship with my girls specifically. Yeah. Um, I just know how much a mom impacts her daughters, um, body image wise, food wise, the way that I talk to them wise, mm-hmm. how I affirm them, like my language, just so much matters in how I'm reacting to them and nurturing them and loving them. And so I would just say for the next two to five years, yeah, just that our bond would continue to like deepen and yeah. grow and that I would every single day grow to see them more as my own children. Mm-hmm. Um, and then personally, hmm, you know, I think in five years, I, we will have no kids left in our house. And so I will be working. So I think personally to figure out what I will be doing outside of the home. Um, my husband has given me a free pass to not feel the need to do that. Cause he's like, with six kids, laundry is going to be a full-time job. It's like going to the grocery store, getting like meals ready, appointments, like all that stuff. He's like, that is going to be a lot of work. So don't necessarily feel like you need to do that. But I, I think, you know, in the last couple of weeks with like you said, with my platform, like, I think it has been kind of nice to see like, oh, I would like to do something like this in the future, not necessarily be like an Instagram influencer, but like to go and like talk to groups about things they could be doing better or whether that's teaching. And I love teaching. So who knows? Um, maybe I'll be doing that, but spiritually, I think, I don't know. I think just for like intimacy with God and like, not just that, but just like time and intimacy with God. Like my quiet times right now are like 30 minutes max. And that's just what I have right now. Yeah. And I know he's not like up there shaking his fist at me. Like I so much of my life thought that he was, but I think just to like want to linger with the Lord and to want to like, just be near him and be with him a lot. Um, whether that's, you know, just with me and him, but just even during the day, remembering that like he's with me and, um, that moments of intimacy don't have to just come when it's just me and him. So I think just, yeah, that awareness and, heart posture to be like, you're always here and wanting to teach me and love me and grow me. So would I just open up to that? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get it. I think it's so funny because especially, and it's always like the hardest seasons of life. It's like, mm. you realize like, Jesus. Amen. But yeah. But I think that's the same for me, like in COVID and really just with everything going on to the degree that which in which I'm like having these conversations with people um you know I've just felt more like okay Lord like I need like I need to be filled because I need to articulate well and um not even just articulate well but it's just draining like as an extrovert it's just draining to have yes these conversations and to be in these places and so I totally agree with you 100% on that and uh me and Carrie this is Literally awesome. I just feel like we're going to have so many different little collaborations in the future. I know. I love this. Truly. I'm like, th- and also we're just going to see each other in real life. We're yeah. just gonna uh, this is going to happen. <laughs> sure. This is like such an honor and like, just so fun for me. So thank you for asking me to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell your, have fun with hair day. Okay. Headed there now. I can hear them. Rattling yeah, up, so I know. Like, oh my gosh. But um, <laughs> I am always in your corner. I am a champion for pretty much everything. Oh, you're the best. So um, I will definitely be in touch. So yes. Thank you. 